Good morning, said a woman as she walked up to a man sitting on the ground. The man slowly looked up at her. This woman was, was clearly accustomed to the finer things of life. Her coat was new. She looked like she had never missed a meal in her life. Her first thought, or his first thought was that she wanted to make fun of him, like so many others had done before. Leave me alone, he growled. To his amazement, the woman continued standing. She was smiling. Her even white teeth displayed in dazzling rows. Are you hungry, she asked. No, he answered sarcastically. I've come from dining with the president. Now go away. The woman's smile became even broader. Suddenly, the man felt a gentle hand under his arm. What are you doing, lady? The man asked angrily. I said to leave me alone. Just then, a policeman came up. Is there any problem, ma'am? He asked. No problem here, officer, the woman answered. I'm just trying to get this man to his feet. Will you help me? The officer stretched his, he his head. That's old Jack. He's been a fixture around here for a couple of years. What do you want with him? See that cafeteria over there? I'm going to get him something to eat and give him and get him out of the cold for a while. Are you crazy, lady? The homeless man resisted. I don't want to go in there. Then he felt strong hands grab his other arm and lift him up. Let me alone, officer. I didn't do anything. This is a good deal for you, Jack. The officer answered, don't blow it. Finally, and with some difficulty, the woman and the police officer got Jack into the cafeteria and sat him at a table in a remote corner. It was the middle of the morning, so most of the breakfast crowd had already left, and the lunch bunch had not yet arrived. This Christian story might have ended sooner, but just then a manager strode across the cafeteria and stood by his table. What's going on here, officer, he asked. What is all this? Is this man in trouble? The lady brought this man in here to be fed, the policeman answered. Not in here, the manager replied angrily. Having a person like that here is bad for business. Old Jack smiled a toothless grin. See, lady, I told you so. Now if you'll just let me go. I, don't, I didn't want to come here in the first place. The woman turned to the cafeteria manager and smiled. Sir, are you familiar with Edie and Associates, the banking firm down the street? Uh, of course I am. The manager answered impatiently. They hold their weekly meetings in one of my banquet rooms. And do you make a goodly amount of money providing food at those weekly meetings? What business is that of yours? I, sir, am Penelope Eddy, president and CEO of the company. The woman smiled again. I thought that might make a difference. She glanced at the cop who was busy stifling a giggle. Would you like to join us in a cup of coffee and a meal, officer? No thanks, ma'am, the officer replied, I'm on duty. Then perhaps a cup of coffee to go. Yes, ma'am, that would be very nice. The cafeteria manager turned on his heel. I'll get you coffee for, for you right away, officer. The officer watched him walk away. You certainly put him in his place, he said. That was not my intent, believe it or not. I have a reason for all this. She sat down at the table across from her amazed dinner guest. She stared at him intently. Jack? Do you remember me? Old Jack searched her face with his old, roomy eyes. I think so. I'm, I mean, you do look familiar. I'm a little older, perhaps, she said. Maybe I've even filled out more in my younger days when you worked here. I came through that very door cold and hungry. Ma'am, the officer said questioningly, he couldn't believe that such a magnificently turned out woman could ever have been hungry. I was just out of college, the woman began. I had come to the city looking for a job, but I couldn't find anything. Finally, I was down to my last few cents and had been kicked out of my apartment. I walked the streets for days. It was February, and it was cold, and 
I was nearly starving. I saw this place and I walked in on the off chance that I could get something to eat. Jack lit up with a smile. Now I remember, he said. I was behind the serving counter. You came up and asked me if you could work for something to eat. I said that it was against company policy. I know, the woman continued. Then you made me the biggest roast beef sandwich I had ever seen, gave me a cup of coffee, and told me to go over to the corner table and enjoy it. I was afraid that you would get into trouble. Then when I looked over and saw you put, that price, put the price of my food in the cash register, I knew then, oh, I lost that part, I knew then that everything was going to be okay. So you started your own business, old Jack said. I got a job that very afternoon. I worked my way up. Eventually, I started my own business that, with the help of God, has prospered. She opened her purse and pulled out a business card. When you're finished here, I want you to pay a visit to Mr. Lyons. He's the personnel director of my company. I'll go to talk to him now, and I'm certain he'll find something for you to do around the office. I think he might even find the funds to give you a little advance so that you can buy some clothes and get a place to live until you get on your feet. If you ever need anything, my door is always open to you. There were tears in the old man's eyes. How can I ever thank you? The woman answered, don't thank me. God, this, God did this by first guiding me to you. He gets all the credit. Outside the cafeteria, the officer and the woman pause at the entrance before going their separate ways. Thank you for all your help, officer, she said. On the contrary, Mrs. Edie, he answered, thank you. I saw a miracle today, something that I will never forget. And thank you for the cup of coffee. Today, if you saw the announcement on Facebook, we told you we were on the topic of sowing and reaping. Last week, we were looking at tithing. Until you hear a story like that about people who sow into someone, it's just special. It's just something else. And it came back for him years later. Years later. We want to talk about the things in the Word of God that govern the laws of sowing and reaping. Because everything that God puts in this world operates in an order. It operates in a fashion. It operates in a way that God can prosper it. We've got to find out how is it that God put these laws in order. What order are they in? What are we supposed to do with them? Because too often the Christian church is ignorant of these things. And we're doing things because we feel like that's the best way, that's the right way. But it's not. How many of you all know that the law of gravity is always in operation. Always. Sometimes it works good for you. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't work so good. But it's always, it's not the fault of the law of gravity. The fault is on us because we didn't respect it. If you were to go up, I love posting up on Facebook some of those pictures of the high cliffs and the people that are on the cliffs looking over nothing. Just... Oh, I just think, oh, that'd be so cool. That'd be so neat just to be, be out on that. One of the pictures I put up there was this totally clear um, uh, deck that came out of a high-rise. And you can go out on this totally clear deck and be looking like you're standing on nothing. My daughter and her husband, they were down in the Grand Canyon, and they uh, saw at a distance, they didn't go up to it, but it, 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 I guess it cost a pretty good amount of money to go on it, but down the Grand Canyon, they have built... A, uh, a observation deck that goes out over the Grand Canyon and is completely clear. 
You stand on it and you look straight down. Some people won't want to do that. We're going against the laws of gravity, aren't we? If gravity, now gravity is always kicking in. And some people have a fear of what that would, what happens with, uh, when that happens. But other people, you just go ahead and do it. There are laws that operate tithing, laws that operate in sowing and giving. And basically, there's three different groups of giving in the Word of God. The first is tithing. The second is offerings, sowing and reaping. And the third is the giving of alms. There are those three categories. They all operate on different laws and different principles from the Word of God. What's happened is we have corrupted them. And we have caused that we have, well, I think if I do this. Now, we spent some time first off on tithes because you cannot sow an offering, do any kind of sowing at all until you first bring the tithes. God has given to you, and out of that, he says that 10% is his. He calls that mine. We looked at what happens when you take and hold on to what God has called his. And it wasn't good. Or in the past weeks, we went over some of those things. In order for you to sow, you must sow what is yours. Until you get rid of all of God's, you cannot sow what is yours. And we're going to get more into that aspect of it as, for, as to how it relates to the sowing and reaping. But a lot of times we have done things with our money that we thought was sowing and reaping. And it wasn't. And sometimes we've done some things, we've alluded to some of this before, to what is sowing and what is reaping. Now, the sowing, who sows? We do, the sower. Who reaps? We do. Is sowing hard work? Is reaping hard work? Oh, yeah, compared to sowing? Yeah. But you see, the Christian church has got it all messed up. We think that hard work isn't sowing. We reversed it, and we put no effort into reaping at all. And consequently, what do we reap? Nothing. In the Word of God, in every aspect that deals with sowing, in every aspect that talks about reaping, God talks about work. Way back in the book of Genesis, he said, in toil you shall work the soil. There's going to be work involved. But we just think that if I sow, God will do all the stuff that, that happens. Now, in the area of sowing and reaping, if you have seed, does the seed jump out of your barn into the ground? That doesn't do it, does it? It, it, it? You have to put it in the ground. You've got to put it into the ground. Does the person who sows the seed cause the seed to grow? No, that's not our job. Sometimes we have put more effort into causing this seed to grow than in causing the harvest to be reaped. But the, re the growing is not our job. It's not your job in the natural. It's not your job in the spiritual. It's not your job to grow the seed. In the Word of God, who does it say brings the rains? God brings the rains. Who brings the rains in due season? God brings the rains. Who put the programming in the seed for the seed to grow? God did. God is responsible for the growth of the seed. But once it grows, who's responsible 
to bring it in. We are. And if we don't think there's any effort into reaping, we just let it sit out there. What happens in the natural if you plant corn and the corn grows up and it's ready to come in and you don't do anything about it? It dies. It goes away. You lose the harvest. You did all the sowing, but you didn't do the harvest. It wouldn't be nice if all that corn would just say, hey, we're ripe. Let's go into the barn. <laughs> and all the seed just gets up. All the little husks just detach and walk their way right on into the barn. You, oh, look at that. It's our harvest day. Uh-uh. It doesn't work that way. There's labor that's involved. There is some labor involved in sowing, but there is more labor involved in reaping. It's hard work. It's not easy. But it's worth it, isn't it? It wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> Nobody's planting any seeds if it's not worth it. It's worthwhile. And different seeds uh, yield different things. I'm told that things like um, uh, if you plant uh, beans, I think beans have a yield of somewhere between 30 and 50%. Uh, and there's some other ones that are in that same range. But if you plant corn, do you know what the yield is on corn? Corn has a yield of around 150 to 180%. It's a big yield. Not all seeds have the same yield. Not all seeds take the same amount of time to grow. Let's get into some of these laws of operation. First law we gave you, and these are not exhaustive. I'm giving you what laws that I've looked at in the Word of God, listening to people and different things. I'm giving you what laws are there so far. There could be other laws in operation that I don't know, you don't know, other people don't know. We are not saying, I am not saying, this is all the laws that there are. This is just some laws. As you meditate on it, you may come up with some other laws. And so we're not trying to say that this is exhaustive in any way. The first one is the law of proportion. The law of proportion. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he proposes purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or after necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So let's go back up here at the beginning. He who sows sparingly will reap how? Sparingly. If you sow abundantly, how will you reap? Now, multi now, now, just think this out. If you sow not at all, how will you reap? If you sow nothing, you receive nothing. If you sow a little, you receive a little. If you sow a lot, you receive a lot. It's proportional. In order for you to reap a harvest, you must be in the game of sowing. You've got to be in the principles of sowing. If you're not sowing anything, there's nothing to reap. That's why tithing is so important. There is increase, there is abundance that comes into your life just for the very fact that you tithe. And don't think that you can't have increase in your life if you, can't, if you are not able to sow something. That's not true. God will bring increase as you give him honor with the tithe. He'll do it. We looked at that the last couple of weeks. We looked at that, those things. Go back into those scriptures and get hold of those if, uh, if you need to. But there is a proportion here. 
how you sow is how you're going to reap. Now, let me expand this a little bit. We're always thinking of amounts. But how many times has God asked you to sow something into a ministry, a person, whatever it might be? God said, I want you to sow this here. And how many times have we done it immediately? How many times have we waited a little while? Well, is that really God? I'm not sure if that's God. It's really hard for me to do. Because God does not ask us to sow at convenient times. Have you, have, you, have you found that to be true in your life too? It's, it's a stretch. Whenever God asks you to sow, it's a stretch. And then one thing, God does not come up and say, hey, is it a good time for you? <laughs> he doesn't do that, does he? When he comes calling, he doesn't say, hey, hey, Steve, is this a good time for you? He doesn't, he's never asked me that. He's just come and he said, hey, go back and look at Jesus all the time he interacted with people. Did he go up to Peter and say, hey, Peter, is this a good time in your life? Can you come follow me right now? What did he say? Follow, follow me. Now, do it. <laughs> he, he doesn't ask us if it's convenient. Most of the time it's not because there's some part of faith that is on our, our part to, uh, to get that thing going, to get the thing enacted. We don't always, um, we're not always ready for, for that. But if we take a long time to respond to God, if it takes us days, weeks, months to respond to God, what are we setting in motion? As a man sows, so shall he reap. If you want people that God calls on to respond and sow immediately, what should you do? Sow immediately, right? <laughs> learn, to be obey, learn to obey quickly. It just helps you out. Ecclesiastes. This uh, verse of scripture here in Ecclesiastes actually has a number of things for some of our principles. We'll come back and forth to it. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it right away. No? You will find it by tonight. No? When will you find it? After many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If you're not sure what that means, he's saying this. If you're thinking of sowing or giving seven, do eight. Because while you got it now, sow it because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. That's what he's saying. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. <laughs> Isn't that the way it goes? And if a tree falls, this is profound. If a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it shall lie. Yeah, that's what that happens. Isn't it? He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. What this is saying here is this. He who observes the wind will not sow. There are always reasons to not sow. And they sound like good ones. Oh, but the wind's blowing. The wind blows so much, you know, it'll blow the seed around. It won't go where we want it to go. That's not so today. Today's not a good day for sowing. The, the wind's blowing. What's going to happen tomorrow? Wind could be blowing tomorrow, too. What happens the next day? Wind could be blowing the next day, too. You've got, you got to get that seed in the ground sometime. You've got a window, put the seed in the ground. Look what he says also about the reaping. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. If you get up in the morning, harvest is ready, you look outside and you see clouds. Oh, 
there's clouds. If it starts raining and we got all that equipment out there trying to read, it's going to be a mess. We won't do it today. We'll do it tomorrow. And you get up tomorrow and there's clouds again. Oh, we can't harvest today. Eh, there's clouds in the sky. Well, there's always a reason why you can't harvest. And lazy people love excuses. If it's time to sow, sow. If it's time to harvest, harvest. You don't give regard to the conditions that are around. Don't give regard to it. You give regard to God. There's a scripture we're going to look at, not today, but down the road. There's a scripture we're going to look at. How many think that times right now are lean? Economy's not doing so good. And you can begin to think, oh, it's not a good time to do this sort of thing. We're going to look at someone that God told, I want you to do this when the economy was bad and he prospered. We're going to look at a guy in the Bible that did this. It won't be this week, but probably next week. Also got some other things for next week too. We just give, I'll, I'll wait on that one. And you, we'll tell you before the, we, we'll, we'll get into a part here. We'll help you out. We'll, we'll tell you about that. As you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. He says when, it's a, when you have stuff to sow, get out there and sow it. Stop making excuses. Stop looking for reasons for why it would fail. You don't know what's going to fail. Get out there and do it. Call this the law of proportion. As you sow, the way that you sow, the manner that you sow, the amount that you sow, as you sow, show, so shall it come back. Yeah, well, I haven't gotten anything. Well, you may not have reaped what you sowed. I tell you what, a lot of people just don't know what to expect in a harvest. And it's why you don't see it. Just to give you a little, a little taste of this, do you remember that Jesus sent his disciples into the city? to get some food. And Jesus stood back there and the woman with the, the well was there. He sent 12 guys into the city, a city that was filled, was ready for harvest. And 12 guys went into the city and didn't recognize the harvest. Walked into the city and came out with nobody. He talks to this woman at the well and she goes into the city and she brings the whole city out with her. And Jesus says to his disciples, Lift up your eyes and look. This is where he says this. Lift up your eyes and look. Behold, the field is white in the harvest. There was the harvest there. They walked right into the midst of it, and they missed it. Who got the, who got the reward for that harvest? The Samaritan woman, not the disciples. Could the disciples have gotten it? What would Jesus have said if they came back with the whole town? Hey, we're in town. We're buying stuff. We're talking about you. And they all wanted to come. <laughs> They didn't do it. We've missed our harvest many times. And it's not God who hasn't been faithful. It's us who has not done what we were supposed to do. But in order to do what we're supposed to do, we need to know how to recognize it. That's why we're on these principles, why we're talking about these things. Second one I call the law of parallels. Got all these to start with P, just to try and make it easier for you. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit trees that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Law of parallels. 
If you sow corn, you will get. If you sow grass, you will get. If you sow wheat, you will get. If you sow beans, you will get. If you sow tomatoes, you will get. You cannot complain about getting corn and wanting tomatoes if all you sow is corn. I mean, I need, I got plenty of corn. I want tomatoes. Did you plant any? No. (laughs) You can't complain about that. There's a law of parallels. God has put this in operation. What you sow, you are going to reap. God has, has put it in the programming that everything produces after its kind. This should open you up a little bit on this. You don't just sow money. Sometimes we think about sowing and reaping. All you can sow is money. No. Money is not the only thing you can sow. And we're going to look at one example here where God, someone sowed something different than money. What he sowed didn't cost them a dime as far as money was concerned. In Job chapter 4 and verse 8, even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Reap the same. If you have trouble, if you have iniquity in your life, you better check and make sure you haven't been sowing it. If you have been reaping people at the office talking poorly about you, you better make sure you haven't been sowing it. If you sow gossip, you will reap. If you sow judgment, you will reap. (laughs) See, sometimes we're sowing some things and we don't necessarily want them. Now, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. Proverbs 22 and verse 8. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow and the rod of his anger will fail. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow, and the rod of his anger will fail. Now, I got this verse here for you. I just don't want this verse. If you come across it later on in your own study, you get confused. Psalms 126, verse 5. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Well, look at that. There's a sow tears and they reap joy. No, they didn't say that. He didn't say those who sow tears. He said those who sow in tears will reap in joy. If you take what it is that you're sowing and you're, man, I don't want to, I don't want to sow this, but I'm going to do it because God said, and you sow in tears, when it comes in, how do you reap it? Oh, man, I am so glad I sowed that. <laughs> there is joy. You can sow in tears, not sowing tears. You can sow in tears. That's all right. What you put this in your outline, what you need or what you want to reap, you must sow. You got to sow it. What do you want? How many of you, if you want friends... You need to sow what? Friendship. You got to do that. You got to go out there and be friendly to people. If, if you don't, you're not going to have, not going to have it. If, if you want to receive mercy, what do you need to sow? Mercy. If you want to receive forgiveness when you blow it, what should you sow? Forgiveness when other people blow it. You, you sow it. I don't need forgiveness right now, but I might down the road. So you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to sow it. I have an opportunity here. Someone has done something wrong. They came and they asked me for forgiveness. I can sow forgiveness. You want to get excited? I can sow forgiveness. Oh, this is good. Because then if I need it, it's going to be coming back. Number three, law of patience. This is where a lot of us lose it. The law of patience. 
Be patient with what is sown. Not everything grows at the same rate. If you plant a tomato seed in the ground in March, you will have a tomato plant by April, May. You have tomatoes on it by June. It goes pretty quick, doesn't it? If you take an oak tree and sow it into the ground, you think by summer you'll have a tree? Now, maybe by the next year? No, they take a little while to grow, don't they? They're, they're, they're great when they're full grown, but they do take a little while. You know that if you're going to sow an oak tree, it's going to be a lot of years before it's useful. If you sow an apple tree, how many years is it going to be before you see the first apple? It's going to be a few years, isn't it? You're not going to get them by the summer. See, we understand this in the natural, that different things we sow have different times for which they bring a harvest. Or bring what you want. We understand that in the natural. To Galatians 6 and verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. There's our law from before. What you sow, you're going to reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Hardest thing for people to do is once they have sown is to stay with it. We get impatient. We want it now. We don't understand that some things take a little while till they come about. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it when? After many days. Not after a few, but after many days. It'll take a little while. It'll, it'll take some time. God has sown some seeds, and it took a little while for him to see it come back. Right? When he had Israel wandering in the wilderness, how many years did he sow into them? Over 40 years he sowed into that nation. He sowed into them all the years they were in Egypt. Did he receive anything on it? Murmuring, complaining. I think God could say, you know, I didn't sow murmuring and complaining. <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting this from you. I didn't sow that. But that's what he's getting. But eventually it came about, didn't it? If you want something in particular, you need to sow in line with that. Now, for a lot of times we think about money and sowing because if I sow money and I receive money, I can do a lot of things with money. I can take care of a lot of things with money. Here's the fourth law, the law of possession. I sow what is my own. You cannot sow what is someone else's. I sow what is my own. That's why I tithe or I give back what is God's first. That's the first thing we do. I tithe or I give back what is God's first. First off, I have to tithe. Once I have tithe, and we talked about this last time, the tithe is 10%. You don't tithe 15%. You don't tithe 20%. You don't tithe 30%. You don't do any of that. What you do is you tithe 10%, and the rest is an offering. Give it as an offering. Understand, I am sowing this. I honored the Lord with the tithe, but I'm sowing this. The laws of sowing and reaping apply to this because it was mine, and I brought it and gave it to God. I sow what is my own. I tithe or I give back what is God's. 
If I try to reap, this is important for us to know. This is why these principles don't work if you don't do this part of it right. If I try to reap what I have not sown, it is called, anybody know the name for that? Stealing is exactly right. <laughs> if you try it, you try and reap what you have not sown. If your neighbor has a garden, you try and go in there and take some stuff. What, what are they going to say? What are you doing in my garden? We planted it. We worked it. We watered it. We did all the stuff. What are you doing in my garden? That's not it. If you go into a bank and you try to reap from the bank when you have not sown into the bank, what do they call that? Still, they call that bank robbery. And they don't look too kindly on that. You can't, you can't do that. If you were to go into your neighbor's barn and take some seed and sow it into your field and it's discovered, what happens? Well, they'll come over to you and see that, that harvest you got, that's not your harvest. That belongs to your neighbor's because it's his seed. See, if we don't tithe first, what we end up sowing, thinking that we're sowing, we're sowing what is God's. So who gets it? Who gets it? Do we get it? No, we stole it. And did we look at that scripture? Talks about the tithe. If we start keeping back part of the tithe, what's it, what did it say? We are stealing from God. Don't do that. Don't steal from God. Now, we did go over this before. I just want to mention this again. Don't want you to forget this. If you do not tithe, God does not come against your finances. Other things are in place to come against your finances. He does not come against your finances. You are not paying off the mob. Sometimes we get that idea. I need to tithe. I need to pay God off so he doesn't come get me. That's not what tithing is. And God won't come get you if you don't tithe. But he says, I can't fight against the, the, the worm, the, the weasel, the drought. I can't fight against these things that are coming against your seed. They're coming against your life. They're coming against your increase. I can't come against these things. And when you tithe, then I can. These things are going to come against you whether you tithe or whether you don't tithe. But when you tithe, you simply call in the name of God. Tithing does not mean these things won't happen. It means when they do, you have someone you can call on. And God says, hey, they want to try and take from you? Mm -mm. No, I'll be, I'll be right there for you. We're going to help you out. Let's take a look at an example of sowing and reaping. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Ganderset and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from there and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. I think that's always a neat order. He got into the boat and then asked. <laughs> Isn't that kind of funny? I mean, most people would you ask, and then you get into the boat. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus got into the boat and then said, hey, Simon, can I use your boat? You mean the one you're in? Yeah, this one right here. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down a net. We've already gone over this in recent times. We're going after this for another reason. Jesus asked him to let down the nets, and he let down the 
net. That's probably the lowest quality net he had. Oldest one, the worst net he had. He did that. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Their net was breaking. They caught so much fish that their net was breaking. Now, let's take a look at this. First off, he used their boat. Did they sow any money? No. Who did they sow it to? They sowed it to Jesus. You give tithes to God. You bring them into the storehouse. You give tithes to God. That's how you did. That's how we went through the Word of God. That's how you give tithes to God. You bring them into the storehouse. You give tithes to God. You sow into a ministry or to a minister. That's what you sow into. You give alms to the poor. That's what you do. If you are going to sow into the things of God, you are going to sow into a person who is in ministry. When Paul received offerings, he talked about their sowing. You sow it into a person. You sow it into a ministry. That is what sowing is. You give alms to the poor. You do not sow to the poor. There are other blessings that are on the giving of alms. And they're good blessings. And we'll look at them. But they are different. You've got to understand what, what God wants us to, how God brings this about. So he took his boat and allowed Jesus to use it for the purpose of ministry. And God says, I'm going to take your boat. I'm going to take your business because you let me use what was part of your business for the work of the ministry. Now, let's go back out into the water, catch some fish. And Peter says, we've toiled all night, haven't caught any. We've been, we were washing our nets. We should have kept washing our nets so we can get on home, be with our families, and go to sleep because we've got to work tomorrow, tonight. But they didn't do that. They, they gave their time to sow their boat into God, into Jesus, into what he was doing. They didn't know that he was Jesus. They didn't know he was the Messiah. He's some guy who's teaching. We'll let him use the boat. Heard him teach, thought, hey, this guy's pretty good. Good teaching. And I said, well, we've toiled all night, but at your word, we'll go ahead and do it. We're going to take the net on out there. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in their boat, the other boat, to come and help them. And they came and filled with both the boats so that they began to sink. Heard uh, my wife and I were listening to somebody this week, last week, something like that. And they were talking about this. Isn't it sad that God doesn't know how many fish your net can hold? I mean, it's, God should, he, he should know all things. He should know how many fish your net should hold. He should know how many fish would fit in your boat and not sink it. Shouldn't God know that? Why is it that God gave them so much fish that their nets couldn't hold it and so much fish that their boats couldn't hold it? I mean, that's just poor planning on God's part. Isn't it? No, it's not poor planning. What God is showing, trying to show you is God is a God of abundance. He wants you to be so blessed that you get more than you need. That's how he wants you to be blessed. But you don't need that much. How many times have you heard good Christian people going around looking at certain people in the body of Christ that are blessed? Well, they shouldn't, be, they shouldn't have a house like that. They shouldn't have a car like that. They don't need a car like that. They could drive this kind of a car. They don't need a car like that. 
Look at the watch on that. Look at the ring on that person. Look at the clothes that they wear. They shouldn't be having those kind of clothes. They shouldn't be wearing that. They shouldn't have that. They sell that to give that to the ministry. You know how much things could be done? That's wrong. That's, you sh- if you have that, you have a wrong mentality. You shouldn't be doing it. Get that out of your head. God has got so much abundance. He gives these guys, and he just used their boat for what? An hour, two hours, three hours? How long did he teach for? I don't know. Well, however long it was, he used their boat for a little while. Says, you know what? You sowed into this. I'm going to sow back into you guys. I'm going to, you guys need to come out here and get a, there's a harvest out here for you guys. And I'm going to take you to it. And they go on out. Here's the harvest for a couple of hours, letting their boat be used. Now they brought in enough fish that even though they didn't catch anything last night, they don't have to go out tonight. They can go home and they can sleep. They got more fish than they were ever expecting. Their boats couldn't hold all the fish that the one net was able to catch, which was ripping because there were so many fish. I wonder there was no fish. When they were out fishing, they're all waiting for Jesus. <laughs> Whatever it was, they, they weren't around, but they're around now. And they're out there and they got all these things. God wants to give you an abundance. You know, we're looking at a guy who paves roads with gold carves gates out of pearls. What do you do with the leftover? I mean, if you're carving the gate out of pearls, some of those pieces you chopped off are bigger than most pearls we've seen. That's trash. Just throw it away. No big deal. We got more. That's a God of abundance. This is a God who makes a mansion for everybody. Oh, but that's more house than they need. They, they don't need that much house, God. We, we have a wrong view of God. God has created an abundance of things. We got people running around thinking, well, you know, we shouldn't use oil because we're taking the resources from the earth. And we don't know what will happen if we take the resources from the earth. We, you know, we could run out. The abundance that God is able to create is astounding. Stop looking at things from the way that the world would look at this. That's not how you're supposed to be looking at it. If God has caused someone to be abounding, it means they've been sowing. That's what it means. They've been sowing. And that person knows how to reap. Don't be over there complaining about them. Go talk to them. What did you sow? How did you recognize the harvest? That's, that's really cool what you got there. Oh, it's good stuff. Hmm. So they filled both boats, so they began to sink. Simon Peter saw it. He fell down on his knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. This is fishermen. Fishermen were astonished. You know, fishermen are always uh, pretty good at telling stories. You know, the one that got away, caught a fish this big, all that sort of stuff. You imagine them going out there and telling this story? Oh, we fished all night. We didn't get a thing. And then we got out there and we dipped the one net in and we took more fish in than we could hold. We called the other boat. We were sinking boat. Yeah, sure, you're sinking them, uh-huh. They were all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. So, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. I just showed you how to catch fish. I'm going to show you how to catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. 
They just had the biggest harvest of fish in their business, in their life, and they walked away. I don't know if they had other people who took care of it, but they said, we're, we're following up to this guy. This is, this is great. We're going to stay over here. We're going to follow up to this. I mean, if we just gave him a couple of hours and we got all that as a harvest, what happens if we give him more time? Oh, man, this will be good. You don't just have to sow money. We all have something that we can sow. You can sow your time. You can give your time to people. You can give wisdom to people. You, there's always something that you can sow. You need to get to the, to the point where you begin to think, what have I sown today? There should never be a day that you do not go out and sow something. It doesn't have to be money. You can sow wisdom. You can sow understanding. You can sow the word of God that you know. You can sow love. You can sow friendship. You can sow mercy. You can sow all kinds of stuff, but there should not ever go a day when you do not sow something. You should always be looking at what should I, what can I sow? What can I sow? I need to sow something. I need to put something out there. Oh, I want to sow. I want to, I want to give to God. So after Jesus looks to bring Peter a harvest, Peter has the opportunity. Here, this is what we all got. Peter has the opportunity to obey and get it or refuse and lose it. Does he not have that opportunity? He has sown already. He has already sown the boat. He's sown. There it is. And now Jesus says, now I want you to reap from what you've sown. Let's go out and let down your nets. He could have walked away from the harvest, couldn't he? He said, no, we're not. I, I already gave up my time here. I'm not giving up more. Now I have to wash the nets again. You don't know what you're asking. That's an awful lot. No, it's your word. We'll go ahead and do it. There have been times that God has guided us to a harvest for the things that we've sown, but we refuse to obtain it because we didn't know how to recognize it. We're not getting into the harvest here today. We are going to get into that, though. Have we refused or missed our harvests? Have we refused or have we missed our harvest? Has it been there and we just didn't know how to recognize it? It has been that way for a lot of folks because we think the work is in the sowing. We don't realize there's more work in the reaping. And we need to have the eye that recognizes it. Because too often we are not looking for the harvest. We want the harvest to look for us. Peter could have spent all day looking out. He's looking, I don't see no fish. I don't, I don't see any fish out there. I don't see any harvest. I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. There's no harvest. We don't see no fish. He didn't do that. He couldn't see it, but he had to walk out there. There's a lot of times that there's a harvest right in front of our eyes, and we don't see it. So we don't put anything in to get the harvest, and the harvest goes by. And we didn't get the harvest. This is not how God wants it to go about for us. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to trust in him. If we are a tither and things come against our finances, we need to stand up and say, I am a tither and you cannot come against my finances. It's not God doing it and it's not an enemy that cannot be stopped doing it. We need to get that in our thinking. 
If something dries up at their job, if something goes away, they all come out and say, well, we're not going to give bonuses, we're not going to give raises, we're not going to do this, we're not... We need to come back and say, well, then God's going to bless me somehow. I know that the increase is coming. What would happen if Israel, while they're walking in the wilderness and they come into a place where there's no water, would have just said, well, we don't see any water, but water's coming from someplace. Well, we don't see any food, but we know God's going to feed us somehow. What if they would have done that? Instead, what do they do? Complain, murmur, complain. God was impressed with their complaining and murmuring. <laughs> we laugh at that, but don't we do it? How many times have we gone back to God in prayer and say, Oh, God, don't you know what's happened to my job? And I've been tithing, and I just don't know why it's going this bad. I don't know why it's getting so hard. It should be. Don't do it. Don't follow Israel's example. It's an easy example to follow, but don't do it. Don't do it. I'll put this summary here for you. Get into the harvest, target it, and wait for it. Get into the harvest. Get in, sow something. Target it. What do you need to receive? How many of y'all know there's more than one thing you need to receive? <laughs> there's more than two things you need to receive. There's a bunch of stuff you need out there, isn't it? A lot of times people say, well, I want somebody to come over and pay off my car. You paid off anybody else's car? I want somebody to come over here and give me this. Have you given, given anybody else that? Well, I don't have the funds to do that. Well, what do you have? Sow what you got. Listen to God. And when God says, I need you to sow this. You know that real nice uh, thing you got over there? Sow it. Sow it. God will tell you about that sort of stuff. Don't sow what you don't want, and don't sow what other people don't want to receive. How many of y'all know the people out there, you know, you've got that ugly tie? I don't like this tie. I hate this tie. I know what I'll do. I'll give it away. Yeah. I'll give it away to somebody, because I don't like it anyway. <laughs> Father, I'm going to sow this tie. I'm going to, show me someone I can sow this tie to. And you sow it to somebody, and they say, yeah. <laughs> they don't want that tie. How many of y'all know there's some kind of clothes that you like to wear and some kind of clothes that you don't like to wear? And we all have different kind of clothes that we like to wear. I come to church. You know, you all know what I like. I like to wear ties, dress shirts. I like to wear suits. I like the Wednesday nights, I'll wear a sport coat. If it's hot, maybe I'll leave the sport coat off. But that's what I, I just, I like doing that. Why do I do it? Because I like to. That's all. I, you know, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of people out there. Some churches, they've, they've dropped all the dress, all that sort of stuff. You're, if you're a preacher, if you come into their church, you're not allowed to wear a tie because they think ties offend people, keep people away from church. That's why, they're, that's why the big thing is on. If you look at a lot of churches, they, they got, you know, shirt untucked, opened up, whatever. And that's fine. That's fine. Look, if you want to do that, I don't, it, that doesn't matter. If you like that, wear it. That's good. That's a, but they're doing it not because, well, this is the kind of material I like to wear. They're doing it because, well, it makes everybody feel comfortable. I thought about this. I was talking with, uh, with uh, Brother Joe when he was over here. I said, you know, the most popular football show on TV, by far the most popular football show on TV, and it's my, the one I always watch. I always watch this one, is uh, uh, Fox pregame. The most popular. The most popular one. And you know how the guys are dressed in there? We're not just talking suit and ties. We're talking the kerchief is in there. We're talking the vest. We're talking colors. The, the only thing about it, the guys all wear white shirts. They need to get over that. 
they need to, you know, have a little, have a little pizzazz, get some other color shirts in there. Just everybody's in a white, every, all five of them wearing white shirts and a nice color tie and a nice suit. But, you know, get some other color in there. I don't like white shirts. You all know that. I, I like color in my shirts. <laughs> but that's, that's me. And I noticed that there's not a single guy in America that says, you know, that Fox team over there, I'd watch them, but they're all in suits. Turns me off on Sundays to see people in suits. No, they don't do it. I, even reco- I record the show. They're on whenever I'm not there. I record the show. I like all those guys. They're fun. I really miss that JB left the show. He's, he was one of my favorite guys there. He's, he's the only good one on the other show. <laughs> I've watched the other show, and he's the only good one on there. The rest of them, I, uh, JB's good. He needs to go back to Fox. We'll get a little movement going on, get JB back over there to Fox. But all those guys, they're just fun. I just like watching they have to say, and uh, it's, it's good. But no one that stops watching them for that. They don't do it. And if you want to come into church and you don't want to wear a suit and tie, it's fine. There's no law in this church that says you have to wear a suit and tie when you come to church. Doesn't do it. Of course, you know, you're a gal, you're not going to wear a suit and tie. But you, 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 know, you, wear, you, wear your, you bring your best to God. I heard, uh, I think it was Keith Moore saying that, you know, if you, all you have is a pair of jeans and a t-shirt, and wear your best pair of jeans and your best t-shirt to church. Give God your best. You don't have to be a certain thing, just give God your best. But, you know, I, I, I like... When I come into here, that's what I like to wear. When I'm in the shop, I don't wear ties. Because they can get caught in stuff that they shouldn't get caught into. You know, to get a tie caught in a table saw, that's not good. That'd be really bad really fast. It's just, a, it's not a good thing. Tie gets caught in a router, that's not a happy thing. This is not good. And plus, you know, your, your stuff will get ruined. So I have other stuff that I wear for, and I have certain things that I like to wear in there. And I used to like flannel shirts, but they keep shrinking on me, and then I end up having, you know, the, the sleeves... So I gave up on the flannel shirts, and I got other shirts that, that don't shrink on, on me, and I, I, I wear those and, and have those. And so those are the ones we, we wear in the shop. And uh, when I'm running or doing other stuff, I have other stuff that I, I, I wear for that. And I'm picky. My, my, my wife will tell you, I am picky about what I wear. The shirt has to be a certain kind of shirt. I don't just wear any shirt. I, I pick my shirts carefully. I pick my ties carefully. That's just uh, what I do. And uh, I, uh, I've had a couple of times, some people bought me a suit. Those folks who bought me a suit, they bought a suit based on what they knew I liked <laughs> and based on what I knew I had. Because I tell you, I still wear those suits. They're good suits. They're nice. But, um, you know, there's certain T-shirts. I can't just wear any T-shirt in the shop. I have to wear certain T-shirts in the shop because they have to have a certain amount of room. They have to have a certain resistance to sawdust and, and catching on the wood and stuff like that. And uh, when I'm running, I am real picky about what I'm wearing when I'm running. Real picky. Because you wear the wrong stuff. It's uncomfortable as can be. So I'm picky about that. I used to wear sweaters. When was the last time you ever saw me in a sweater? Never. Yeah, I don't think I've ever worn a sweater when I've been here at Pastor in this church. It was a long time ago that I gave up on sweaters. I just don't like them. If you give me a sweater, you won't see me wear it. I don't like them. They're hot. I, I just don't. Now, you like sweaters? Great, wear them. I've seen some people wear sweaters. No, Bill Cosby wore sweaters on the show. They had something on Facebook about all the different sweaters he wore. He looks good in a sweater. He looks nice in a sweater. I don't think I look good in a sweater, so I don't wear them. That's just me. But we all have certain things that we like. You know, and if, and if you don't like something, don't give it to someone else thinking you're going to bless them if they don't like it. If you're going to sow into something, it's going to cost you something. 
When God said, bring in the lamb for the, for the sacrifice, which lamb was it supposed to be? You know, whatever lamb, you know, that's, uh, if it's missing a leg, bring that one. You don't need it anyway, right? If, it's, if it looks kind of ugly, bring that one. You don't want it anyway. What's he say? I want the best lamb you got. I want it spotless. I want the best lamb that you got. You bring that. It's, you're going to bring it to me. It's going to cost you something. We, when we sow, it's got to cost us something. I don't just mean money. It's got to cost you something that you consider to be valuable. When God calls on you to give something, it will be something you consider to be valuable. When he asked Peter, can I use your boat? Peter's busy. His time at that point was committed. It was valuable. God said, I need your time. I need your, all right, I'll go along. It's not convenient. If God is going to call on you to bless somebody with something, it's going to hurt. You're going to feel it a little bit. That's all right. Better stuff is coming. You ought to get so much to the the point that if God says, sow this. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. I am ready to sow this. Who Who do you want me to give it to? You just don't get attached to stuff because you know, if I sow this, what will I get back? A better one. I'm going to get something back, something better. And, uh, you know, you ladies, how many of y'all know there's some money you can spend on those purses? How many of you would like, just, you know, just to be, be real on this one, how many of you would like a purse different from the one you have, but it costs more money than you want to spend? Anybody? Yeah, okay. I mean, it's all right to say that. <laughs> Guys, how many of you are driving a car, but prefer to drive a, diff- drive a different one, but it costs more than you have right now. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, uh-huh. Yeah, we, how many of you work on a computer, but your eye is on a different one? How many of you have a phone, but your eye is on a different one? It's okay to have that. It's okay to have your eyes set on other things out there that are bigger, better, nicer, whatever it might be. But right now you got something else. What happens if God comes over and says, sow it? You ought to get excited. Really? You are asking me to sow this? That means I will reap a harvest. Don't sow it because someone else told you. Don't sow it because someone else did it. Sow it because God said, I want you to sow it. If God comes to you and says, you know that purse, that one you like, that one that, oh, you, you really, sow it. Really? Took me a while to get this purse. Took me a while to get this watch. You know how long I, I've worked for the, you, you want me just to sell it? Yes, yeah, sell it. Uh-huh, sell it. Who was it Creflo Dollar was talking about when, when God told him, he says, I want you to sew three suits into this person's ministry. Per, pastor was there. So these, I, I like those. They're my favorite suits. I like those suits. So he went up in his closet and he got four, five, six other suits that he didn't like so much and he gave him those and then felt so convicted. He, had, he just went up there and got those three suits and gave it to him. Now he gave him seven suits. He said, God, I don't have any suits now. He says, well, I didn't tell you to give him all your suits. I just told him to give you three. <laughs> You, you did all this. <laughs> Just do what God says. If he's going to tell you to sow something, understand it's going to hurt. There's going to be a stretch on it. But it's okay. If it hurts, it's probably good. And then you sow it. And then you be patient with it. You get these four laws in operation and you keep them going. You, you understand what I sow is what I reap. How I sow how I reap. I need to be patient when I'm sowing. I need to keep these things. I need to stay in the game. 
I need to sow what is mine. Can't go stealing what somebody else's and sow that. How many have ever wondered, because you know you, you talk about the parables and the one thing that comes up is when you sow, you should sow into what? It's real, real easy. Good ground. Good ground. How many of you know what makes good ground? How many of you know how to recognize whether it's good ground or not? You don't have to answer that right now. I just want you to think about that. How many of you know from the Bible, if I were to ask you, write down a piece of paper, what makes ground good? You know, the Bible is very clear about what makes ground good. We have confused it. I've heard a lot of people talk about, well, this good ground is this. Well, good ground is this. But the Bible never said that. The Bible says good ground is something, but it's many times not what comes out of Christians' mouths. And because of that, we don't recognize good ground. And we get steered, steered into sowing into wrong things. We're going to find out what good ground is. We're going to find out a little bit more about the sowing. We want to look into harvesting. How do I recognize a harvest? How do I recognize a harvest? There's a harvest that's out there for you. How do I recognize it? How will it come? What will I do? The Bible helps us. When it gives us a whole lot of pointers because God wants your money to be blessed. He wants you to be taken care of. Like I said, we're going to look at a person who was told to sow in a bad economy. And God blessed him above everyone else. I want you to be thinking on it. I want you to kind of try to come up with who you think it might be. Who sowed in a bad economy? Because how many of y'all know we got a bad economy going on? And you can sow and reap. Because what you reap is not dependent upon the economy. The economy is not the ground. It's not the ground. We're going to get into this, look at this next week, and, and pick up some of those things. I've been asking you folks to give us some questions on this. Let us know. If you've got questions on the area of money, this is your time to ask it. We're going to be on this for a little while, and we're going to get into another series I've been working on for a year. I'm kind of just meditating on it. I thought I would get into it uh, earlier, but we didn't get into it. We went on to some, something else. But I think the time is right because I'm getting a whole lot more stuff on it. But we're going to look into what makes ground good, how do you recognize your harvest, and who sowed in a bad economy and prospered. We're going to look at that next week, so it'll be coming up for that. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us with our finances. We thank you that you desire that great abundance come our way, so much so that it is more than we can hold. Forward to being in those positions. We thank you for the help that you give us in that. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today is our first Sunday of the month. It is Communion Sunday. And as we celebrate this today...